This week on Beyond Stillness, Stories After Stroke, we spotlight guest Sue Phipps, a 70-year-old resident of Kirkland, Washington. She suffered a stroke in 1990 and will share a piece she wrote eight years after. It describes a specific seizure, bout with depression, and how her husband and a longtime friend helped her pull through. Thank you for joining us for part one, Sue Phipps' story. Hello and welcome to Beyond Stillness. Stroke offers a powerful, life-changing shift in perspective. Each colorful memory creates a parable for life's greater teachings a compass for journeys ahead, and inspired wisdom for unique growth. This radio show, Beyond Stillness, offers an hour of pause for storytelling and reflection. Ultimately, Beyond Stillness is a welcoming environment that reveres the moment beyond strokes paralysis. Still moments unite humanity and divinity. I'm your host, Molly Bucola. Sue Phipps recently celebrated her 70th birthday and lives in Kirkland, Washington. She was a registered nurse, caregiver, flight attendant, worked in sales for cable television, and still enjoys her role as a wedding planner. She loves spending time at the coast, but most of all cherishes time with family and friends. She suffered a brain aneurysm in 1990. She wrote this story eight years later. It is entitled, Seizures. But before we begin, let's take a moment, a moment of pause, calling to mind people in our lives who show up at just the right time. Maybe they say exactly what we need to hear in the perfect moment. Maybe they were just there, present, beside us in a moment of need. Maybe we met them at just the right time in our lives and they bumped us into a life-giving direction. Think of a specific person or maybe two in your mind right now. See their faces. Imagine them surrounded by warmth and light. And give thanks. We give thanks for the people who accompany us on our journey and hold us, encourage us, unconditionally love us to be and become our inspired selves. So now, Sue, I'm gonna hand it over to you to share your story entitled Seizures. Thank you, Molly, that was beautiful. Mm. Um, Okay, I'm gonna start to read this story that I wrote a long, long time ago. Okay, as you said, seizures. I woke up this morning and looked at my clock. 
Oh, no, it was 9 a.m. and my alarm didn't go off. I was an hour an hour late for my appointment with my neurologist. I jumped out of bed and quickly took two anti-seizure medications, which I had been doing since my aneurysm and stroke eight years ago. Damn it, I said, as I called Dr. Stuart Tepper's office. Polyclinic, can I help you? The receptionist asked without waiting for an answer. I felt stressed as my heart pounded so fast in my chest. Four minutes later, I heard, yes, may I help you? Yes, you can. I would like blah, nuh, slur. I, I, I want blah, nuh, slur. No, 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 please don't let me have a seizure. Please, dear God. I tried to scream, help me. But the words didn't come. I couldn't believe this was happening. I dropped the phone and my and I buckled to the floor. Since my last seizure a few months ago, I had been doing so well. Did this happen because it had been about 11 hours since I took my last dose of Tegretol? My neurologist advised me taking taking the medication every six hours, so it was five hours late. Was this because I had very little coverage on board when my brain demanded so much of me? I turned on the TV to see if I could follow the program. The first sentence made sense, but then it was all garbled. I tried again. Five words were clear, but then it was like listening to a foreign language. No, no, I had been doing so well up to this point. Last night, my husband Neil and I discussed how far I had come. How could things change so drastically? Do I spend the rest of my life in fear? My health and my life are not in my hands. I can do as much as possible with medications and slowing down, but since my aneurysm and stroke eight years ago, my brain will always have the last word. Now, every day is different. A wonderful day is one when I can converse with others with very little problem. I can understand most of the words. An excellent day is one where my vocabulary is the same as it was before I got sick. Every word I needed, I retrieved. The rough days are the ones when I can't track sentences or converse conversations. Also, I'm plagued with headaches, a side effect I didn't experience before. The worst days are days like today, when I have a seizure. When that occurs, I lose all the groundwork I have gained, and my homework starts all over again. I started to think back to 1991, when I experienced my first seizure. It occurred after my aneurysm, strokes, cerebral hemorrhage, coma, and follow-up neurosurgery. Dealing with my paralysis and aphasia was difficult, but I kept doing the work to get better. 
there was an improvement a little bit at a time. And that gave me resilience and a positive attitude. But this last seizure this morning, it threw me. I started to feel sorry for myself. I sank deeper into where I could feel. All I could feel was darkness. Everything seemed hopeless. Would I be dealing with seizures for the rest of my life? I thought about suicide. At least that was something I could control. But how would I do it? How many pills would I need to take to ensure my death? As the method of dying went went through my, my head, I caught a glimpse of my husband's face. How could I do this to Neil? My concern was his finding me after this successful method I chose. How selfish and cruel of me. I didn't want to be remembered that way. I went to bed and stayed under the covers. I couldn't stop crying. My eyes were so swollen that I could barely see. Eleven chimes rang out from the church up the street. With every song, every sound of bong, 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 I felt as though someone was hammering it into my head. A few minutes later, Neil knocked on the bo- on the bedroom door. I didn't move. I refused to talk with anyone. Another knock and the door quietly opened. Honey, are you asleep? Not anymore. I threw the covers away from my face as I tried to sound as, as exacerbated as possible. He sat on the bed, put his hand on my foot, and he didn't say a word. I slowly opened my eyes and a flood of late morning light hit me and sent a jolt to my excruciating headache. Linny's on the, on the phone. She really wants to talk to you. She missed you at her dinner party last night and wants to know how you are doing. I don't want to talk to anyone. Tell her I'm asleep. I couldn't believe that Neil couldn't take care of this one thing for me. He was quiet. Just for a moment, he whispered. I kicked his hand off of my foot and I turned my back to him. As I heard his footsteps leave the bedroom, I reached for the phone and felt the throbbing of my headache intensify. I tried to smile so that my voice would conceal the emptiness I felt. Hi, Linny. How was the party? Trying to sound as though I cared. Sue, I've known you for 18 years. You don't have to be so enthusiastic when you are falling apart. Neil and I had a long conversation, so I know that you've been going through a difficult time. Are you okay? I burst into tears. Lenny, I hate my life. You have no idea what it's like. I can't think, I can't talk, I have problems with my eyesight, and it gets worse. People treat me differently. They don't think I notice, but of course, I feel the difference when I am ignored or tolerated. You don't know how much it hurts. With every word, I sobbed. Do you remember 
how I used to love parties. The more the noise, the more the more people, the better it was. And there was a topic I couldn't discuss. Not anymore. It's a horrible feeling to know that old friends talk around me. I keep wondering when this nightmare is going to end. I took a deep breath, but it never will. Very slowly and quietly, I said, I wish I had died in the coma. I've never told you this, Sue, Lenny said. Do you remember when you were at at Stanford Hospital, and you had just had neurosurgery. It was about three or four weeks after the aneurysm. Oh, sure, I said. That was when you spent the whole afternoon with me. Right. Well, you were such an inspiration to me. Here you had an aneurysm in a coma for five days, paralyzed, and in a great deal of your verb and a great deal of your verbal function was gone. Your speech was a mess. You called Neil Nickel because you couldn't pronounce Neil. And you called the Pi Phi sorority house where we lived during college. You called it the Poofu house. Linny chuckled. The amazing thing is there was something spiritual, almost golden that filled that room. I'm not kidding. And you had an aura of serenity and calmness that I had never seen before. Even though you were going through this disaster, you were at peace. It was remarkable. So, Sue, tell me something. Why were you at peace when there was no guarantee that this life would, that your life would improve? For a moment, the concentration on my current problems were gone. I thought about something else besides my depression. Why was I content during a horrible period in my life? I tried to think back and remember. I don't know. I do remember that I never cried. Maybe it was all unreal to me, and I assumed that at some point everything would that I would recover fully and continue my life. Although you had so many problems to deal with, Sue, I knew you would get through this. You have Neil, your incredible supportive family, your friends who were standing by your side, and your faith in God. You told me that it was a miracle that you didn't die in, this, in the coma. Your father, who was a neurologist, sorry, who was a neurologist, looked at all the x-rays and MRIs and indicated that you shouldn't be doing as well as you, you are. But God had different plans for you. All of a sudden, the obsession with my problems seemed selfish and shallow. I started to think, of all the blessings I have in my life. Just then I realized I had not felt my headache since we had been talking. Sue, can I say a prayer for you? Of course, I, I responded. I sat up and closed my eyes 
as my dear friend prayed that God would help me through this difficult time. A peaceful feeling started to come over me, and I knew that Linny had restored my hope. After we both said amen, Linny, Linny asked, one more thing, Sue, would you get up and just take a shower? That's all you have to do. I promised my friend I would to I, I would do that. I felt overwhelmed, but I knew I could accomplish the, this one thing. I did take a shower and got dressed. A few minutes later, the doorstep the door <laughs> the doorbell rang and I went to the front door. I opened it and I saw my mom and the delightful smile of my 18-month-old niece. I became filled with joy and smiled back at little Anna, remembering how blessed I was. I started to tell my mom about the episode this morning. My words were halting as I, as I told her, but understandable. Having been through it before, I knew that it would take about a month before I returned to the level I reached before the seizure this morning. Mom gave me a hug and said, oh, Sue, I'm so sorry. As I picked up little Anna, she echoed, uh-oh, showing all the compassion she knew. Her arms went around my neck as she tenderly tenderly patted my back, my eyes filled with water. I stood there holding on to two of the people who bring such a joy to my life, thinking I will be fine. It will be okay. I nuzzled my face into Anna's shoulder and whispered very softly, thank you. Sue, thank you. Thank you for sharing so openly about such a difficult moment in your life. And thank you for offering how you got through that moment, a moment of darkness and pain, and offering that story to each of us. So thank you, Sue. You bet. Sure. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Molly for going back and even finding this and then going back to the emotions that I felt a long time ago. It's mm -hmm. easy to forget about it, but it's important to also realize how truly fortunate we are after so many years. Mm, thank you, Sue. And now for our moment of pause. Call into mind those moments in our lives that that seemed dark. Those moments that were just too overwhelming. Let's hold those in the palm of our hand and give light to them. And think about others who might be experiencing darkness now, who might feel overwhelmed 
bogged down. Let's send them light now. May they find courage to take that one next step that will lead them forward, that will lift them up. May they find the support, the guidance, the love, the care, so that they may be and become their inspired selves. Thank you for devoting time and space to listen to part one, Sue Phipps story. Stick with us for part two, Sue Phipps interview. Each colorful memory creates a parable for life's greater teachings, a compass for journeys ahead, and inspired wisdom for unique growth. In this episode of Beyond Stillness, guest Sue Phipps offered Seizures, a story she wrote eight years after her stroke. She shared about her struggle with seizures and depression and offered insight on what helped her survive and thrive through recovery. If you enjoyed this moment of pause for storytelling and reflection, please like, share, or subscribe to the Beyond Stillness Stories After Stroke podcast. Again, thanks for listening. And remember, as part of the stroke community, you are more than supportive. You are inspirational. If you're a part of the Stroke community and have a story you'd like to share on the show, please contact us, email m-o-l-l-y at beyondstillness.org.